listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. Very excited today. We have a special guest, somebody that's been in the industry the last few years that has been crushing it, literally has done over $18 million in transactions when it comes down to turnkey investment properties. And this is more on the East Coast, but Midwest area, nationwide, you name it. This woman is amazing. She <laughs> is, She's been doing... I think she trains, right, for flights, which is awesome. A big flyer, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And she's got a book out that we'll be able to plug at the end, so you can definitely get a copy of that. But yeah, she's really had a lot of success in the turnkey industry, and we want to be able to bridge the gap for you guys today. So without further ado, Allie, what is up? How are you? I'm good. I said it before we started recording. I'm so excited. I've never done a like live to Facebook podcast recording, so I'm like elated. Yeah, let's go, right? I'm excited. (laughs) I'm super blessed to have you on. For anybody out there that doesn't know a little bit about your story or who you are, do you mind just diving into who you are, where you're from, and what the heck you're up to? Sure. So the short of my story is I grew up in Georgia, typical mindset, go to school, get good grades, get a secure job, yada, 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 save all your money. So I started going down that route. I actually entered the aerospace and engineering industry. So that was my first kind of career path. And I tell the story all the time of the the minute I walked into my very first cubicle before I had ever sat down, I looked around and I was like, oh, this this isn't going to work. Like my soul left in that moment. And I had just been in school for years. I went to grad school, everything. And from that point on, it took, I didn't know how to get out of corporate. And so I just started reading books. I was like, it looked like I was either going to have to start a business or invest in real estate. I didn't know what that looked like. So it was a five-year journey of exploration to figure out how to get out of corporate. And towards the end of it, I had decided I was going to start a business, to be honest. And I didn't even know what kind of business. And in the midst of that, some real estate investing stuff came through my inbox just randomly. And I thought, well, you know, while I still have a W-2 and a paycheck every Friday, I might as well do something smart with the money because when I leave corporate, I'm not going to have that anymore. So I started investing in real estate and it was actually not turnkeys, but pretty quickly through the networking and everything, I started hearing about turnkeys because this was 2011. So this was in the middle of the crash. Everything was on sale. And one of the biggest markets at the time was Atlanta. I was already living in California at this point. I was like, well, Atlanta. I'm from there. So I decided to buy some properties for myself. And that started this whole thing. Everybody was suddenly wondering, what in the world are you buying that, you know, you think to buy real estate, you have to swing hammers, you have to flip, you have to rehab all these complicated things. Unclogged toilets and all that other stuff. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, how are you not unclogging toilets? And I was like, well, let me tell you, because I had just learned about turnkeys too, because my whole thing, even though I didn't really know it at the time was I didn't want to another job. I wanted yeah. to go hang out on the beach all day. So yeah. turnkeys kind of fit perfect where I was able to be fairly hands-off. And so one thing led to another, everyone was asking me about it. Suddenly I started writing about it. 
online. Bigger Pockets picked me up as a writer for them. And it became such a big thing where that ended up being my ticket out of corporate, where I've now for nine years have helped other people buy turnkeys. I helped kind of facilitate, you know, act as an emotional support dog. And nine years later, here I am. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's so cool. You know, the story behind this too, it's like you worked your butt off. You knew what you knew at the time, right? And you were doing the Mm -hmm. corporate route right when you got there. It hit you, I think, a little bit faster than some others. (laughs) I didn't even sit down. I was like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. You're like, oh God, this is- Oh no. Like, oh, all that school. (laughs) Yeah. What I signed myself up for. So for anybody else out there that's like, just not enjoying, not that's just not their path, but they're kind of in it right now. They might feel stuck. They might feel like helpless, but they want to try to find that emergency like line to, to get <laughs> anything <that>. else. <laughs> anything, right? like, you were like, Hey, I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what kind of business, but I need to start something. And, yeah. and you started reading. And I, I think that's a huge, that's like the number one thing, right? To, yeah. You don't know anything until you start reading and figuring out the options out there. But what would you recommend for somebody that is in that situation that you were in and how to get out of that? Well, conveniently, I put my recommendations in the book. So we'll we'll plug that book. But, you know, it's it's actually so... Once it all happened, so I, like I said, I spent five years because at that point I had a lot of skills. I knew how to fly airplanes. I could teach people to fly airplanes, you know, aerospace engineering, all that kind of stuff. But it, none of the skills were like, you know, it's not like I can just go, what am I going to start a, I don't know. I don't want to start an airplane business. So I was starting from ground zero. I was like, I don't know what to do. So really the very first step and whether you like reading books, whether it's podcasts, whatever it is, it's really just start exploring, you know, because I think what happened is as I kept exploring things, you know, certain things jumped out at me. So like one of the first books I read as probably everyone listening to this was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I was like, now his concepts, yes, I'm on board. Let me read more. So I read more of his books and then I would, you know, read something about flipping or whatever, like, "Mm," you know, so steer away from that. And kind of just because real estate investing is such a crazy industry, or if you're getting out of corporate, whatever, it's all confusing. There's no manual for it. We didn't learn any of it in school. So it's a matter of like just first figuring out what the options are and like really kind of focus on what things are calling to you. Like, I want to go sit on the beach, so I'm not going to go flip properties or wholesale for that matter. Yeah. So it's really, you know, start with the exploration. And then once you find those things, you kind of start narrowing it down. It's like, let me learn more about that thing. And then, you know, once you kind of, it's like, Ooh, okay, that might be it. And this, you know, if you're trying to be an entrepreneur or whatever, this real estate or entrepreneurship, you know, it's that exploration and just getting more and more narrow until something kind of, works out for you. You know, people say like, how'd you choose turnkey rental properties? And I kind of hesitate to say, I don't think I chose them. I think they chose me. Like they kind of fell in my lap. But when I say it that way, it sounds like I didn't do any work for that. It's like, hang on, let me sit here. Oh, cool. I got my answer. It's like, you know, do all the work. And for me, you know, this isn't scientific, but I feel like when you do all that work and you set that intention and you drive towards that goal, your thing will come to you you know, whatever that is to get you out of corporate, get you into real estate, whatever, you know, whatever, what have you, because that's, it's kind of how it happened with me. No, I couldn't agree anymore. Honestly, like that's the first thing that I always recommend to people as well. That's like my number one tip is you don't know what you don't know. So exactly at the end of the day, you got to dive into all the different options out there. There's 30 plus ways to make money in real estate. Yeah. 
if you acknowledge that and then you start diving into it and figure out what you resonate with time wise finances like and what your end goal looks like so that uh, and be honest about it too that's that's one of the tricks is like you know it sounds terrible that I say I want to go hang out at the beach all day and I want to sleep in like those are truly the things that bring me joy (laughs) and it's like okay you know if I'm too embarrassed or shameful to admit I want to sleep in well I'm going to force myself to go work on properties at 8 a.m when I don't want to and it's you know being okay with whatever those desires are whatever your reasons are be honest about it and pick something that actually fits that instead of swimming upstream because you think you should kind of thing so good that's so good so let's talk about that first deal what was the first property i know it wasn't turnkey right away right but this one's exciting well so that first property was actually a pre-construction development down in nicaragua the third world country (laughs) i'm like it's like well, it, you know, go, I'm a go big or go home kind of person. One of those emails, right, that came in and you're like, hey, let me see. Like, sucker. No, actually, it was funny because, you know, when I was kind of in this exploration phase of still trying to figure out, you know, am I going to do real estate? Am I going to do whatever? Because I live in Los Angeles and I had a friend at the time who was in real estate and she knew an agent down in Orange County. And somehow we were talking about rental properties. And at this point, I had no idea what I was talking about. I didn't know how to run numbers. I didn't know like what makes a good property. I had no idea what my plan was, but I kind of did one of those fake it till you make it type of things. And I, I kind of put on this like professional, I'm a professional investor face. And we went looking around possible rental properties in Orange County. And so, you know, the cheapest property we looked at, and these were all trashed, like nasty, like disgusting. And the cheapest one we found was like $270,000 and two seventy one to be exact. And the rent on it was going to be 1200 a month. And I was like, something about those numbers seems odd. <laughs> like, where do you profit off of that? And plus that's 270 just to get the distressed house. I have to rehab the whole thing or whatever. And I'm like all for 1200 bucks a month. So I had this in my head of something didn't seem to work. So there I am sitting in my corporate cubicle. I had registered for every mailing list possible because I was so bored. And so all of a sudden, I think it was like a Think Realty or one of those things comes in and it advertised beachfront bungalows for $99,000. And I was like, I do like the beach. And 99, I'm like, tell me more. I was like, no, I was like, okay, first of all, where's Nicaragua? (laughs) I was like, I don't know. So I really just watched this webinar because I was bored and it sounded cool. And it, seemed really legit. And I was like, hmm, this is odd. And there was a seller financing option. I was like, keep telling me more. And so I contacted the people and I was like, I like doing anything that'll ruffle feathers. And as soon as I tell anyone I'm buying property in a third world country, like, that's pretty funny. So they sent me a copy of the sales contract. And this was a big deal. Like Wyndham Hotels was then on it. Jack Nicholas Golf Course Design was in on it. Like this was a pretty massive undertaking. So I get this contract and I just, you know, here goes my engineering brain. I redline everything. I was like, I'll show these people they're a scam. Like I was certain it was a scam. There was no way that this was not a scam. And so I just kind of kept you know, going with it. So I ended up going to meet one of the main people for it. And long story short, I ended up buying two properties in Nicaragua. And I can't tell you how much I love that country. I ended up going down there like five times. And I mean, and there were big time investors getting in on this thing. I mean, this was a huge, this was not, you know, some mom and pop little thing. This was a big development. And I ended up losing all of it. The developer, the famous developer story, 
somehow the money all just disappeared. And some people had like millions of their own dollars in this. Fortunately, I was only about with both properties combined, I was only about 40 grand in, which, you know, it'd be nice to have that 40 grand now. But I also knew immediately from all that book reading, you know, if this is my biggest loss in real estate, you know, worse things can happen for sure. And it wasn't, you know, and I started to get down on myself, like, wait, did I misjudge this? Like, am I just a moron? Like, I mean, one could argue, but you know, like I said, there were big time invest. I mean, this was a big thing and Wyndham hotels ended up pulling out. Jack Nicholas ended up pulling out obviously, but it was the famous developer story. And then, you know, being in Nicaragua, it's not like you can contact the FBI here, like us, you still, you know, developers can kind of still skip town, but Nicaragua, you don't have a whole lot of enforcement going on. So Yay! My very so, first deal out of the gate, forty grand down the that. toilet. <laughs> hey, hey! I I have some horror stories as well, and usually it comes down to contractors. So I I totally get it. But so tell me, what did you learn on that one, and and how can so other people not make that similar type of mistake? Well, the big thing is that I since I've been in real estate now for quite a while, I've met so many people, and even in the U.S. with yeah. pre-construction. Anytime you're dealing with pre-construction developers. That is honestly where I hear a lot of horror stories, even in the U.S. But I knew one person where basically the developers, same thing happened and they skipped off to the Caribbean. You know, the U.S. at that point cares because it's in the U.S., but they also can't do a heck of a lot either. Is there so any documents that could potentially have secured you or, or saved you a little bit more that maybe well, had a weird look at it, one of the problems in the Nicaragua one was that in the contract, it was, I get confused on all the legal, but like arbitration type of thing. Like there was some, I mean, look, here's one thing I've learned is it doesn't matter how rock solid a contract is. If the guy disappears to another country, you know, and I think that's, yeah. you know, even tenant leases, for example, like it, I've had tenants for my rental property, you know, like the famous tenant story, they bounce and don't pay the last 30 days or whatever. You know, I've really, I don't want to say I've grown a distrust for contracts, but like, I think there's a, some reality to them too, is that you can only do so much. Like if somebody really wants to skip off and do whatever, like, you know, to, I mean, yeah. I, I, mean I don't know, you definitely have to have your contracts in, but yeah. Yeah. If you're dealing with bad people, then unfortunately it can be a, a yeah. tough situation. So having that discernment, I guess, and, yeah. and really making sure that you're partnering up with the right people. Is, yeah. Who you're partnering with, you know, and a huge lesson to everybody is don't judge yourself if something like, you know, if you have a loss, because like literally there's no big time successful real estate investor that I know of that hasn't had a big loss. And that's why I say like, if I only lose 40 grand in my whole journey, I'm really coming out pretty good. My, but, mine's you know, four I, times that amount, 160. Yeah. So just, just so you know, like, all oh. right? yeah. so, so you're all right. Well, and I think one of the biggest takeaways for me that I think is really important for people is like, I could sit here and look at it like I lost 40 grand, which technically I did. And rumor is I'm going to get that back. We'll see. But, yeah, you know, well, it's kind of like, you know, sometimes it's not always a black and white situation where, okay, 40 grand, look what 40 grand got me. Because that Nicaragua deal is how I ended up in turnkeys. It was through the same people and everything. It's how I got into turnkeys. It's how I left my corporate job. It's how yep. I've been in, had my business for what nine years now. So I have made that 40 grand back tenfold, like yep. easily. And, you know, I got to go to Nicaragua five times, which is I think it might still be my favorite country. So the experiences, what it got me. So, you know, some people are so fearful of like, oh my God, what if I lose the money? 
okay, yeah, for sure. Let's try and plan to, for that not to happen. But if it yeah. does happen, A, what lessons can you learn from it so you can do yep. it better? Don't let it knock you out of the game because some people just, you know, I could have been like, oh, I hate real estate, which I was tempted a couple times. A lot of people do that. It breaks my heart. All the too. time. Yeah. Oh, it's, you know, one of the reasons I wrote the book, we'll talk more about that later, is to try and give people a softer entrance into this industry. Because for sure. exactly what we're saying is, you know, people go diving in, they don't have any instruction manuals and they have no idea what they're doing. They get into a strategy that's wrong for them. They end up getting burned and they leave the industry. And that yeah. is soul crushing. Cause it's like, no, there's so many awesome options. Don't yeah. like, go slower <laughs> so and, you don't and, fry yourself from it. And you could be like that three feet from gold type of oh, mentality. So like, close. like every time that I've been burnt or made a mistake, you know, you learn from it, you take a sit back and you're like, oh God, that was horrible. Never do that yep. again. You learn from it and then mm-hmm. treat it as an expensive seminar. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but moving forward, it's like, the compound effect of that growth and learning, it can yeah. be really tremendous, just like it has with you, which is yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah. It's all about perspective and perception, yeah. you know, lessons learned. Be careful with pre-construction, but yeah. you know, I, I don't regret it for a second because everything I have today is because of that investment. Okay. So let's talk about some, like the next steps for you and, mm-hmm. and what that looked like, why turnkey and what did the first few look like for you? Well, so it's funny because people, you know, when they're asking about turnkeys or whatever, they'll say, because I'm one of the few, I feel like of all the turnkey players, like all the different turnkey companies, I'm one of the, or the only one that I know who actually started because I bought turnkeys. You know, most of them are just kind of in the turnkey business, but I was actually a turnkey buyer. And so people, they know that. And they're like, so, you know, what's the cash flow look like on your properties? Or, you know, what are your numbers? I'm like, you don't want to (laughs) know. Like I bought in Atlanta in the middle of the crash. So, you know, I say that as a caveat to don't get excited that you can find these today because you can't. So my very first turnkey, we'll call it my very first successful property was, I still have it, is a two-story, this cute yellow house. It's in a maybe B-grade neighborhood, like a totally fine, clean, you know, you can walk around at night, like a perfectly great little neighborhood. I bought it fully rehabbed with tenants, property managers in place. Like I didn't have to lift a finger for $55,000. And at the time it was getting nine seventy-five dollars a month in rent. So if you are familiar with running rental property numbers at all and knowing cash flow, that is a heck of a lot of cash flow. Yeah. And not to the make it worse. 2% rule. I mean, you're in you there. Oh, well. yeah. Blew that out of the water. I think yeah. at the time, I want to say it was like a 14% cap rate. Like you're lucky to get a 14% cash on cash at this point. This was a 14% sure. cap rate. So that property, that those numbers were already insane. And we actually just re-rented that property. It went through a turnover for $14.95. So yeah. I have this $55,000 fully rehabbed property that is now renting for basically $1,500 a month, which, I mean, it's laughable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm and like, in a great neighborhood, you I know. love it. And in a good neighborhood, Atlanta. And then on top of it, because, you know, and this is something, you know, people get, they can be fearful or whatever. And you never want to invest in a market too soon, like before sure. you know a boom is coming. But yeah. Atlanta was the absolute number one market at that time and the boom, it was coming. And so because I was willing to invest in the crash when it was that cheap, I think that all of my properties that I bought in 2011, 2012 have somewhere between doubled and quadrupled in yes. value, which is it. 
absurd. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like that's why we don't talk about my properties because you're not gonna get you're not gonna get that. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I love yeah, that. that. I mean, that's what and honestly, that's what put the bug in me. Like. I guess the addiction started with the Nicaragua properties because there was seller financing on those. So, you know, here I am in a third world, gorgeous country. And I was like, I have to buy every property possible. So I ended up getting the beach bungalow and a home site. And then of course we lost that. But then with the turnkeys, it was just as exciting because that $55,000 property, it only took $10,000 to buy it. And, you know, here I am making this absurd cash flow. I think the mortgage payment at that time was like 400 bucks or something like come on. I was like, I'm on borrowed time. I grabbed an investor partner. I was like, we have to get as many properties as possible because, you know, once the boom happens, these aren't going to exist anymore. So that got the bug going. And that's, I think my excitement about it, people were hearing me talk about it and they're like, what are you buying? (laughs) Like, Like, oh, you have no idea. And that's how the whole thing started. I love that. So with the, just going back for a second, the Nicaragua properties, do you own the land anymore or totally like that? I don't even know. (laughs) Something good to look into after this. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think there was something, I don't think so. Because part of the, like, so some lawsuits started, they were trying to take this all to court and the developers actually not even legally allowed back in Nicaragua, which is hilarious because he's supposedly doing the development, which is not happening. He can't even physically be in the country, but there was something about whether you own the land or not, as far as like how much um, recourse you had. And I think, or if you had the deed or there was some weird, I'll tell you, it's funny because for me being an engineer, like grad school level, I suck at details and I especially suck at details and contracts. You know, so if, if you're like me in that regard, always make sure somebody smarter than you helps you read your contracts. Cause that might've helped me long, long time. The same way. I hear you. No worries. I'm like, I just want to buy the house. I don't care about the details. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. So since you got those amazing deals in Atlanta and they've appreciated a ton, you're making great cash flow. Really, like I like turnkey, the definition behind this is that you're investing the money and you don't need to worry about anything, right? Like for the most part, you got to manage slightly yeah. the property management, but it comes with property management, comes with tenant typically fully remodeled. So you don't need to worry about those type of. Well, and I do want to say something very important in that regard is so when all of this started, so turnkeys are, and they still are, and I'm one of the culprits of this. I have a turnkeys 101 ebook that I call the definitive guide to hands-off rental properties. So hands-off is the idea of turnkey. But what I learned over the years, um, fortunately I was not one of these people, but I have seen so many people, they hear hands-off and it's like, they don't think their brain has to be attached to their shoulders anymore. And it's like, in a perfect world, yes, everything would be taken care of for you. The property would come just as advertised. The property managers would do exactly their job. You know, all of the parts are taken care of for you. But what I've seen is people take that hands-off thing way too seriously. And the two places that that really comes into play is number one, if you're buying one of these properties, if I always say, if there's humans involved in the equation, there's room for error. So you have got to do the due diligence on properties. And I've known companies who offer turnkeys or whatever that say, you know, don't do the due diligence, we'll do it for you don't seriously like you have got to be willing to do the due diligence and it's like all the work is done for you but you've got to wear the pants in the relationship because this is your investment and if you're trusting other people that's you know 
kind of one of those trust, but verify thing. Sure. And so do the due diligence. Don't skimp on that because yes. who knows what. And then on the flip side, you know, property managers notoriously suck. Absolutely notoriously suck. And even when they're great, they notoriously end up sucking at some point. And so I've hired and fired property managers on my property several times. Yep. And so you have to be willing to step in and do, you know, you are the boss. It's like yep. you run a business. This is your job. And if, if your employees aren't, you know, and I kind of, you know, it's hard to say, like, don't treat your property manager like they're your employee, but they kind of are. They are and so, yeah. yeah, I have one the biggest example I've heard is I try and like, you know, six months, a couple of years later, check in, how's your property doing? And this one guy, I think he had bought a property in like Indianapolis or something. And I said, Hey, you know, how's the property? And he was like, well, it's good, but the cash flow hasn't been what I thought it was. And I was like, well, what happened? Because idea with turnkey is when you get it fully rehabbed, yes. you you shouldn't have a big cash flow hit for hopefully quite some time. And yeah. I was like, well, why? And he said, well, you know, a couple of small things, but then the dishwasher, I don't remember what he said, but the dishwasher exploded, ruined the flooring and it was $7,000. And I said, did you pay $7,000 to fix the flooring? He said, well, yeah. And I said, did you call your insurance company? Like everyone loves when their dishwashers explode because you get f- new flooring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, and he said, oh, I didn't think to do that. And, you know, it's like, he literally just spent $7,000 on what would have been a very obvious insurance claim. And yeah, in a perfect world, the property managers would have said, hey, you know, call your insurance company. We'll work with the adjuster, but they happen to not suggest it. And, you know, I've just seen so many people like, ride the wave and not take charge. You know, this is your investment. This is your business. This is your money. And you have to, you know, so just keeping one eye on things. So I, I, you know, I kind of went into more detail about that, but it's so important with turnkeys because I think one of the number one problems with turnkeys is people have this assumption that A, they're perfect and B, you can be a hundred percent hands off. Yeah. Don't like, don't because once you but turnkey is only a method of buying it's not yes. perfect and yes. you know once you own it it's like owning any other rental property so you've got to be willing to be part of the process because i've just seen so you know turnkeys are very inviting for people maybe who wouldn't otherwise get in the industry yeah. and you know they're just they're too passive and not willing to do you know whatever's necessary to keep that investment performing yeah, that I was mean, a lot can, more long-winded than I planned, but I felt very passionate about it. It's very good, <laughs> like, very detailed. Please, people, listen. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so, so crucial. It really is. I mean, at the end of the day, nobody's going to care about your investment property more than yeah. yourself. So you can't be lazy about it. Just like yeah. you mentioned, it's like, it is very attractive. It's very sexy to like somebody that's mm-hmm. not totally interested in real estate. Yeah. want to be very hands-off, but exactly. you still like jumping into this, it's only going to be super rewarding if you take action and yeah. manage the manager, make sure that you have systems in place. It's very, yeah. very cool. So and maybe, you know, and I say that in a lot of cases, it works out just as perfectly as it's advertised. And that's great. Yeah. It's more of like, you have to have a willingness to step in if you need to step in. Sure. So let's talk about uh, maybe step-by-step. Step. Like if somebody wanted to, they have a little bit of money saved aside, They want to get into real estate. They want some turnkeys. That's what's attracted to them. What does that look like for them to actually get started from beginning to end possibly? Yeah, it's, you know, it's pretty easy. You know, what, one of the big things I help people with is if you've never been through the turnkey buying process, it's confusing because you don't know what you don't know. It's like, well, I don't even know what the next step is. But once you've been through the process once, it's so straightforward and easy. Like once I got one under my belt, I was like, oh, bring it. And so basically, you know, it's, it's kind of fun because you kind of, it's like 
I mean, I don't know if you like shopping online, but you basically get to shop online for your property. So the big thing is, I mean, one of the most confusing things is who to work with. And I won't go into massive detail about that, but there's two kinds of turnkey companies. There's the direct turnkey provider. They're the ones who are buying the properties, rehabbing them. You're buying directly from that person. There's also turnkey marketing companies, sometimes called turnkey promoters. And they work with, which is basically what I've become. I didn't even mean to, but I've become one, is I work with direct providers. And so like the difference of who you go to is like, if you go to the direct provider and say, you know, I'm a new investor, I want to buy a property, you know, what market's best for me? They're going to be like, well, this one, because that's where I work. You know, they're the more technical oriented kind of people. They're flippers, basically. They're flipping off these properties to investors. Whereas if you work with a marketing company, I'm more like market agnostic, if you want to call it that. So like, if you come to me and say, hey, you know, I'm a new investor, I have X number of dollars to invest. What's your recommendation? I can give you different options. Like, well, we have this provider in Birmingham, or we have this provider in Houston. Here's the difference between the properties. You know, we work in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Those are urban row houses versus like Kansas City might be suburban single families. Like, you know, and some people, one or the other. So those are the kind of companies. So, you know, part of, you know, going way back to the beginning when we started talking is it's exploration again. Like I tell people like, of course, I'd love for you to work with my company, but just look up all the companies and see what starts to jump out at you. Look at the inventory list. Like most people have inventories listed on their websites, you know, and research the markets for the most part, there's not a lot. I mean, I mean, this is a whole, I don't want to get too detailed and bore everybody, but you know, then you have to kind of pick which market. Do I want to turnkey in Memphis? Do I want to turnkey in Harrisburg? Do I want whatever? And so, you know, it's a little bit of just exploration to kind of see what market stands out to you. Do any of the companies in particular stand out to you? You know, I have a turnkey rental properties, Facebook group, which hopefully they're all listening. You know, people talk about their experiences with different providers. Like, what do you guys think about this market versus this market? You know, taking the time to explore, to find the one that excites you. And again, this is a no pressure. Like you get to shop online. Like I want that property. (laughs) And, you know, so you kind of start narrowing down and then you get in touch with, you know, whoever's in charge of that. And so then the buying process, if you find a house and you're like, I want that one, you put a reservation form in for it. They will put you in touch with the seller. The seller sends you a sales contract and you put your earnest money down. Most cases that's like $5,000. I've heard of a couple of cases, like a thousand dollars, whatever, basically to say, yes, I'm serious about this property. And then some of the properties, when you put them under contract are already rehabbed and maybe even with tenants, like they might be ready to go or properties also sell really fast. So the rehab may not have happened yet. If that's the case, you, nothing really happens until the rehab is complete because at that point, you're going to get a property inspection. This is your due diligence period, basically verifying everything about this property for yourself. You don't want to take their word for their numbers. You don't want to take the word for quality rehab. You want to get the property inspector, you know, run something like good rent facts pro something to, you know, look up the comps, make sure everything seems whatever. And all the while you're working with your lender, if you're financing, and then basically you close on the property. And the idea is some of the turnkey companies will sell you a property without tenants already placed. I'm not a big fan of that at all. I think it brings an added risk. Most of the turnkey companies will hold off on closing until a tenant's in because the whole idea, it, the metaphor is you stick the key in the door and turn it and you're making cash flow on day one. Yeah. So that's the premise. And, you know, and then after that, it's really just communication with the property managers. But yeah, it's, you know, like I said, it's really just sales contract, earnest money, due diligence period, 
close. And so it's really that due diligence period that people, you know, need a little help with of like, what things should I check? And, you know, that's sure. where we kind of step in. On the flip side to that, there's been some horror stories that I've heard of when it comes with a tenant that yeah. they just put any Tom, Dick and Harry in there to fill the vacancy. So make yeah. sure that you look at the screening of the tenant, you know, how they screened them and what quality tenant, because yeah. after you purchase this, you don't want, you know, some horror stories in the next few months coming down yeah. from it. and getting good qualified tenants in there that are going to stay a long time that treat it yeah. like a quality home of their own. It is very, very crucial in the rental. Yeah. Game, so. And that's part of that due diligence period is, yeah. you know, property inspection is probably the biggest thing and then double checking all the numbers. Those are the two biggest. But then it's like, who are the people in this property? And I actually, I was working with a woman who's buying right now in Atlanta and she actually went to it. Most people buy sight unseen. Yeah. But she actually went to Atlanta, was checking out all the properties. And one of the properties she had put under contract, she, the tenants were just hellacious. And she ended up uh, getting out of that property because the tenants were so bad. Like the house was great. Everything was whatever, but the tenants were terrible. And, you know, it's funny because that's the most important thing, but people don't always think to check on the tenants. <laughs> like, you know, my whole experience, I've now owned rental properties for nine years, basically. Yeah. And I will say the absolute number one biggest expense that I've had is bad tenants. Every yeah. single time the turnovers end up atrociously expensive. Insurance can't help. Yeah, exactly. Your description of the dream tenant is what I would consider a dream tenant. And it's not a guarantee. And, you know, another thing about that too, is what state are you investing in? Is that landlord friendly or tenant friendly? Like I'm in California, it's a very tenant friendly state. So yeah. good luck evicting anybody. And, yeah. you know, versus Georgia, if, you know, well, not with COVID so much, but, you know, evictions are easy peasy. Like if they yep. don't perform, you can get them out in 30 to 45 days. Whereas California, it could go on. I've heard horror stories of years and they can't get oh. rid of a bad tenant. Yeah. I mean, minimum is like six months. That's why we yeah. prefer out here in California, we prefer to do Airbnb, the short-term yeah. rentals. <laughs> so you can get out. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, Hey, keep it moving. Keep, keep, it, moving. keep it moving people. Yeah. Keep it moving. <laughs> and then, and then the numbers work out well for us because we do the birth strategy. So we need yeah. to get the income that's producing to, yeah. to increase to actually try to get those one to 2% rules which is difficult by itself out here with the numbers. It's, but. it's funny with California. So I guess two and a half years ago, some partners and I, so this whole time I've been working with turnkeys and I was writing for bigger pockets and all that. And everything I wrote was like, buy with positive cash flow. Don't buy at the top of the market. Don't be a landlord, all these things. So me and some partners bought a duplex local to me. It's only about a mile away in Venice beach. I am the landlord. It was a negative cash flow situation. And we bought when it was super expensive. <laughs> was oh, like yeah. everything I've ever preached, I bought and window. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. And it's, um, so it's interesting because now I'm the landlord because there's no reason to have property managers when it's literally a mile, but you know, in buying that property, it's a long-term play. That's, you know, why we're okay with negative cash flow right now. But the tenant thing, because of California, especially right now with the COVID and eviction, the COVID, I don't know why I said the COVID. COVID, with COVID and the eviction moratoriums and all that kind of stuff, like we have a unit vacant right now. And I am moving so slowly and putting anyone in there because literally with the eviction moratoriums, they could come in and never pay me a dime and I can't get rid of them. And so, you know, we're treading really lightly, but yeah, just, you know, talking about California dynamics versus like other states, but these are things you want to think about is like, and you know, the property managers hopefully are the ones to help, you know, like what is the eviction scenario? Like this is also part of your due diligence is even before you put a property under contract, learn about that state. Is it landlord friendly? Is it tenant friendly? 
if it's landlord friendly, what are your property managers? How do they help mitigate that? It doesn't mean you shouldn't buy there, but like, what are those mitigations? Like, you know, so just learning about the market you're choosing, learning, you know, having those communications with the people who are boots on the ground in that area that you're buying. I love that. So what would you recommend for somebody just getting started on cash flow wise? Like what should people be shooting for? And I know this is a blanket statement, right? Because it depends on the market, depends on yeah. the asset. I was just going to say, it depends. <laughs> it depends on like a dozen of different factors, but yeah. is there like a certain minimum that you personally like to shoot for? It, uh, it depends. <laughs> the two things that I think about because even for myself, like ignoring my local negative cash flow property, if I'm out buying turnkeys or rental properties, whatever, and my goal is cash flow, two things I think about. Number one, part of this exploration is when you shop. I tell people shop around. It's like if you're trying to buy a car, like, so I drive a 2002 car. I'm, I like old car. Well, I can't even believe I'm saying it's an old car. It's 2002, but it's old. And I knew exactly the car I wanted. And it's one of those cars where it's actually an SUV, but um, it, the blue book value isn't like you would never get one that cheap because everybody wants these cars. And so the only way that I knew the deal that I got was good was by shopping around because I yeah. knew the comparisons. I was like, Oh, I test drove that one. It was in terrible shape. It was X number of dollars. Then I, you know, this one, like it actually took me six months to find this car, but six months of looking for that kind of car I knew when I found the one that I ended up getting, it was a good deal. That's, you know, people are like, how do I know if I'm getting a good deal? Well, shop around. And so same with turnkeys, look at the different companies, look at the different markets. And let's say that you are buying in Indianapolis, for example, and you'll see all the Indianapolis properties and you'll see the range that they offer. So you'll know if you're getting a good deal or not, because, you know, how generally priced everything is. So that's number one is shop around. Because I feel like that's the only way to really know that you're landing, you know, and it doesn't mean it's a bad deal, but like, you'll know. Um, But the more important kind of technical side of this is the risk spectrum. So if I'm going to take on what I would perceive to be a much riskier property, I want projected cash flow to be pretty high because I don't want low projected cash flow and risk. I'm going to do one or the other. I either want way less risk, like I'm willing to take a lower cash flow if my risk is significantly lowered. So if you get a really nice property in like say a B plus to A minus neighborhood, good schools, not, not that these exist in turnkey world all that much, but you know, a really nice property where it's not a guarantee, but you're more likely to attract really good tenants, long-term tenants, all that kind of stuff. In that case, I'm willing to take a much lower cash flow because it's it's a risk trade-off. It's a long-term kind of play, whatever. Versus, you know, if I'm going to take on a sketchier neighborhood, maybe I'm hoping on gentrification, the tenants might be a little riskier. I better be, you know, there better be a trade-off for that. Like I'm yeah, not doing that for fun. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so that's it. why I tell people is it, it it's going to vary between the markets. So like Atlanta now, you know, I talked about Atlanta for my own properties. Atlanta now is very high priced. Like right now the turnkeys we're working with there and they're actually not even turnkeys. They're off market properties, which means they may or may not even be rehabbed. We're only talking like a 5% cap rate 
five to five and a half percent cap rate, which I would consider incredibly low versus like Chicago, you can get upwards of like nine to 10% cap rate. But you know, it's the differences in the properties, the properties are totally different grades, the neighborhoods are very different grades, Georgia's tenant friendly, Illinois is landlord friendly, you know, you want to look at all those different factors. And that's part of that exploration phase of getting a feel for what contribute because it's like, cash flow is king, but how are you going to sustain that cash flow? Because people can write on a sheet of paper all day long how much cash flow you're going to make, but you may never see a penny of that if it isn't sustained. So what are those things? Tenant quality, you know, eviction laws, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, to kind of go back and answer your question, you know, on the turnkeys, the cap rates are ranging between five and 10%. What that translates to as far as the cash on cash depends on your financing. But, you know, ultimately I'm looking for some kind of margin, you know, like if I'm making a hundred to $200 a month after all expenses or whatever, right now, that's okay. But maybe not if I spent 200,000, you know, like if it's a $75,000 property, okay, you know, what, what does that turn out to be cash on cash? You know, I would prefer double digits cash on cash for sure. And some of the numbers don't work out where if you're going to finance, the cash on cash ends up being lower than the cap rate. So, you know, really what is the return on the money? You know, if it's a 10% cash on cash return, because, and you know, if that's a low risk kind of thing, cool, because you're also making money in several other different directions on a rental property. It's not just the cash flow. You've got appreciation, you have tax benefits, all this kind of stuff. So that completely doesn't answer your question, but it is all the things that I look for. No, I love it. There is many, I mean, it's a blanket statement. So there, yeah. there's many different ways to go about it to really yeah. figure it out. And I love your answer when it comes down to it depends as well as like your research. So, yeah. you know, figuring out and comparing shopping around is really what's yeah. going to help out. And shopping around is fun. Like, you know, you just, I mean, make, make it fun and then just find the thing, you know, and I used to joke back, I actually still joke about it. So when I was buying in Atlanta, when, you know, this was like turnkey, I mean, investors were just eating up properties, not just in Atlanta, everywhere. And I, I had made one of my criteria is like, you know, I of course want the numbers. I of course want the good neighborhood, whatever. But once I have a pile of those properties, I'm going for the cute one. on a cute property. So it became kind of a long running joke of like, oh, Allie wants, you know, is it, is it cute enough? And I'm like, "Mm." you know, and then as prices got higher and the, I kept saying properties are getting less and less cute by the minute. And people are like, is cute really one of your criteria? And I'm like, it's not the primary criteria, however, but you know, if I think it's cute, other people are going to think it's cute. It helps my exit strategy. (laughs) It's a smart move. So Allie, how can people get a hold of you and any like final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, have fun with it. My final thought is buy my book. It's not just to promote my book for sake of promoting, is my whole goal with the book. So it's called Not Your How To Guide to Real Estate Investing. And I was very strategic about that because I feel like, you know, most of the time when you type in how to be a real estate investor, all anyone ever offers you is a how-to guide, how to flip a property, how to wholesale, if they even tell you that much. But it doesn't help you figure out what to do. You know, I'm in turnkeys, maybe turnkeys aren't for you. So it's that expiration phase. So I tried to make this book, it's more of a mindset book. And it's really to, it's in it. I tried to make it fun. I tried to make it not stuffy and it's a fun read, but gives you things to think about. Like as you're trying to figure out what route you want to go or how to, you know, get started in that. And I actually, five super successful investors in different strategies, I interview them in the book. So you can kind of get like a, you know, day in the life of feeling. Cause it's like, oh, flipping properties is so glorious well, what is it actually? And like, what does your life look like if you actually are doing that? So, you know, really 
buy the book, but, or actually I'm going to offer you a free copy of the book, you know, read the book, but really take that time to figure out what really is right for you. And like we said, you know, kind of coming full circle is real estate investing is such a unique and cool industry. It'd be so great if more people got into it. But like we said, people kind of go flying off into the deep end, they get burned and then they're, they're traumatized. They don't want to get back into it. I meet those people all the time. You know, so if you are just getting started, slow down. I know it's not the more fun route, but slow down, take the time to really kind of explore, see what's out there and see what makes sense for what you're trying to accomplish. And as far as getting a hold of me, so I actually did set up a link. So everyone, if you want, can get a free copy, free digital copy of the book. My company's name is Hipster Investments. So if you go to hipsterinvestments.com slash ready, set, book, you can get a free copy of the book. The only thing I ask in exchange is pretty please, if you read it, leave an Amazon review because I'm a brand new author and I'm in that every review counts stage. So I'd be super appreciative for any review that you, well, I don't, any, you know, any review from anybody, you know, if you don't have to give me a one star, that'd be cool. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, give me any review. review. Any review is fine. Well, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> No, that's awesome. And and not to get political or anything, but when it comes down to potential taxes being raised, it's almost like necessity or need to to get some real estate just for the write-offs and so forth that, that you can capitalize mm-hmm. on. So well, and actually it's funny you say that. So my dad's a little bit into investing. We were just talking the other day. And you know, one thing that I've been thinking about with not even just the political situation with COVID, with our basically our world is in question. Like what? the heck is going on? And with so much uncertainty, people start getting nervous. And the thing that I think about is what is one absolute surefire fact that we know people are always going to need somewhere to live, period. So from an event, you know, because my, what God is talking about this is my dad was like, you know, I'm pretty sure with the economy and everything going on, like we're about to have a economic crisis. Well, I guess we're kind of in one, but you know, like What's going to happen to the dollar? We're even in a coin shortage. There's, we don't have coin. Like people can't use quarters for their washing machines. <laughs> There's no quarters. And so like, what's going to happen with money? Like, what is the future of the currency of money? And so my dad was talking about like, should I invest in gold? Like, how do we mitigate this? And I was like, so I was thinking about it for myself is like, people are going to have to have somewhere to live, yep. period. No matter what happens in this apocalyptic world, potentially, people have to have somewhere to live. So an investment standpoint, I mean, I don't want to say real estate surefire because it could give a wrong message, but like people are going to have to have somewhere to live. Clothes, food, and shelter. It's yeah. right there, so... Yeah, you can't get a, you can't get around it. So, you know, investing in real estate, I think, and it's funny too, because with everything going on in the world, God bless 2020, I have not been this busy with real estate in maybe three or four years. I mean, between interest rates being super low and I mean, properties are flying off the shelves and with the foreclosure moratoriums, a lot of the turnkey providers are either out or running out of inventory because they can't get the foreclosure properties right now. It's funny. It's like, it's a feeding frenzy right now. And I, you kind of paid me to expect that's what was going to come out of 2020 on the real estate front. But, you know, the turnkeys are either small multifamilies, but mostly single families. And, you know, de-densification is happening. People are flocking out of crowded apartment buildings, trying to get into the suburbs, away from other people. They want to get away from germs. People are spending so much time working from home now, being at home. They want somewhere more comfortable. And all of a sudden, the turnkeys are just flying off the shelves. 
I love it. Well, Ali, I appreciate you so much. I really do. You guys definitely want to reach out to her. Take advantage of getting the free ebook and just connect with her. She's awesome. And as always, if you want to get a hold of me, you can always do so on Instagram. It's Brandon Elliott Investments. Otherwise, Facebook.com slash Brandon Elliott Investor. Otherwise, if you need any credit repair done for you service, we can fix your credit. You can always reach out at creditrepairmobile.com. Or if you're looking to get educated and really take your credit to the next level, fix your own credit, build up your own credit, get multiple six figures in funding and so forth to be able to leverage it successfully into real estate, then creditcounselelite.com. Hope you guys are all doing well and we'll see you on the very next episode. Hit that subscribe button and leave a review. Let us know what you guys think about it. Till next time, guys, stay blessed. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.